Jimmy and Melissa Thrasher. I'm Melissa. Jimmy and I are ordained ministers, and we speak to the spiritual side of mankind. Today's podcast is entitled, Dinner with Friends, Social Anxiety, Part 2, and is derived from the point in time in Jimmy's life after the loss of his late wife, Tammy, and after God had healed him of social anxiety before he met me. Jimmy will be sharing about his experience of being able to go out alone and be happy. Jimmy, before we dive into today's podcast, please take a few minutes to explain the titles of these two podcasts we are publishing that deal with your experiences with social anxiety. Sure, Melissa. My pleasure. Party of one was from the time when I went out to eat dinner many times by myself. I'm sitting up front waiting to be seated, and I'm hearing Baker, party of two, Johnson, party of eight, you know, that kind of thing. Then all of a sudden, I hear Thrasher, and I'm thinking, please don't say it. And then most of the time, there would be a pause. And then a few seconds, I hear, your table's ready. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. There were a few times, however, when I did hear Thrasher, party of one. And it was almost as a walk of shame as I made my way up to the hostess station. In the podcast of Party of One, we talked about those times of me dealing with social anxiety. But also, we talked about the four-step process that God used to heal me of social anxiety. This podcast, Dinner with Friends, we'll be talking about a few of the many fun experiences I had taking trips alone after being healed of social anxiety. I will not only be sharing about those trips, but also some key points that made my solo trips more enjoyable. And I hope the listener can find a nugget in there somewhere and help them enjoy their solo experiences in life even more. The Dinner with Friends part is, of course, you and I, Melissa. We hope we can be friends for dinner as needed for people who are preparing to go out alone for dinner, a movie, or even trips. It's my hope that people find this podcast and know they can listen to it over and over as they are out by themselves. They will know I get it because I've been there too. Jimmy, what a great concept. Someone out to a nice restaurant by themselves, surrounded by couples and families. They have an earbud listening to us talk about your experiences. The listener will know that they are listening to someone who has done what they are doing at that very moment and has done it many times. Yes, and though all of our experiences are different, they are many times very similar. I can't tell you the times I've listened to others' testimonies. It may have been different, but there's always been at least that one thing that I came away with that was either very helpful or sometimes even life-changing. And Melissa, that's our hope here, that from the two Social Anxiety podcasts, the listeners will be able to come away with at least that one thing that God will be able to expound upon in their spirit that will be a part of their spiritual growth and well-being. Yes, we have agreed in prayer for that, and it is our hope that these podcasts will be a blessing to many in their walk. Jimmy, as we were preparing for this podcast, the first thing that crossed my mind I wanted to ask is this. Do you remember the first few times you went out after God healed you from social anxiety, and where did you go? The first two times that come to mind was a trip to Nashville by myself, where I flew up for the day, and then a second trip to Nashville, where I drove up and spent the weekend Both of these trips were before God opened the door to my songwriting dreams. So these trips weren't for songwriting? They were just to go hang out? That is correct. Nashville was one of the places where I felt a pull on my spirit. I dreamed of writing there, but had never took the step to just go up and spend time there before. So the first time you flew up was just for the day? Yep, I flew up just for the day. 
So you just woke up one day and said, I think I'll fly up to Nashville today just to have something to do? Yep. I had absolutely nothing to do that day. A round trip from Muscle Shows to Nashville was like $64. It was on an aircraft I had never flown on, so I thought, why not? I did step one of the four-part process, trial and error, being adventurous. I say so. There was a time in life when something like that would not have been possible. But at that point in time, it was like, why not? So I got to the airport early. I hung out around there and just kind of took it all in. When it came time to leave, I checked out the aircraft, a Cessna Grand Caravan, which I had seen many times on Flying Wild Alaska. I was shocked at how large of an aircraft it is in real life, much larger than what you can tell from seeing it on TV. How big of a plane is it? It's a single-engine plane, which is part of the illusion of seeing it in photos or on TV that gives one the impression it's of the small general aviation class of planes. But that single engine is actually a turboprop engine with tons of power. Secondly, it sits very high off the ground due to having an immense space for storage underneath the airframe. Then it's longer than most general aviation aircraft, whereas most general aviation aircraft can seat two to six passengers The Grand Caravan can seat up to 14 passengers, plus luggage and cargo. It's a bit of a hoss. Oh my, that must be much larger than what I'm imagining as well. It's quite surprising to see one up close. So the Grand Caravan was part of the adventure, and Nashville was the other part. Yes, that is correct. How long did it take you to fly up? About 45 minutes in the air. 45 minutes? That's a lot better than two and a half to three hours driving. Yes, that's much better. What did you do when you got to Nashville? By the time I got there, got inside the airport and ate lunch, I had roughly four hours before my return flight. So I thought I would just hang out around the airport and make that the experience of the day. What did you do during that time? I did a lot of walking, some looking around in the gift shops. But there was this one thing that was a highlight of the Nashville part of the trip. As I was walking along, I spotted this gentleman He looked to be in his mid to late 80s, and I could tell he was retired military. He was wearing a Seabees hat. I have a great amount of gratitude and respect for those who serve our country. I always try to take a moment and thank any military or first responders for their service. So seeing his hat, I automatically stopped and said, wow, that's an awesome hat. He said, thank you. I asked if he was retired military, and he said yes. I told him he was the first fighting Seabee I had ever met and wanted to pause and say thank you for your service. He looked up with a big smile and said, Sit down, son, which was a first for me. Was he just sitting and waiting on his flight? Melissa, he was fresh out of the security line, and he was sitting there putting his shoes back on. Oh, my. Well, that's amazing. Those are usually pretty busy spots people are just passing through. Yes, I know, and that's exactly how I knew this was a divine appointment. He took some time out to spend there talking with me. So what did y'all talk about? First of all, he said, son, not a lot of people stop and want to talk about my CV's years. I said, well, sir, I'm sure they don't know what they're missing out on. So what does CB stand for and what do they do? The word CB's stands for Construction Battalion. They are the Naval Construction Battalion. I'm by no means an expert on the Naval CB's. I just know what is common knowledge and, of course, what my new friend told me firsthand. The CBs were created to meet the Navy's need of advanced bases and combat zones during World War II. The CBs have been the Navy's construction force ever since. I am just so amazed right now 
Here, you find yourself in the Nashville airport, sitting beside one of the first ever CBs, listening to him reminisce about some of the best times of his life. I know, Melissa. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. It's so amazing. So how did the conversation go, and what did y'all talk about? You know, Melissa, that's a very interesting question. It's always been my experience that service personnel don't talk about the combat stuff, hardly ever. They talk about instead their buddies, the things they did together, how they have kept in touch, or how they haven't kept in touch, and how they would like to see them again. This conversation was no different. He began by telling me what the CBs are and what they are all about. Then he spent some time talking about a bridge they built in this jungle environment and how they had to work some and then fight some in order to get the job done. He talked about a lot of his buddies, what they were like, things they did together while in the CBs. I sat and listened to him talk for close to 20 minutes, and it was like he took me on the journey with him, almost like he was reliving these experiences, and I was blessed to be able to go along for the ride. We talked for a few more minutes, shook hands, and went our separate ways. And this was an amazing opportunity to have this divine appointment like what God gave me. And when God allows you these 20 minutes in life, sitting beside a stranger, being inspired, and at the same time showing them you care about their experiences and contributions, it's a blessing for everyone all around. Even to try and comprehend that, I mean, wow, that was truly a divine appointment. I can see why you describe that encounter as the high point of that trip. I mean, it's hard to beat that, right? I know, and I had so many of these God moments during my three-and-a-half-year transition time. Just truly amazing experiences, much like this. Well, you hooked me on that story. Now I can't wait to hear the next one. Tell me about the time you drove up to Nashville and spent the weekend. Yes, that was another God moment experience as well. This time, it included a young man named Jamie, who was active-duty Air Force, and his now wife, Kelly. And once again, this experience was a highlight of that particular trip. So how did you meet Jamie and Kelly? I was on the elevator going down to have dinner. The elevator stopped on another floor and his young couple got on. The doors closed and we started going down. The young man looked at me and said, Hey man, I like that shirt. Where did you get it? After replying, he asked if I was an artist and I told him I was not, but I was a songwriter. Then the door opened while in the midst of that conversation. But they didn't go off on their way like most people do. They asked if I had a few minutes to talk. We hung out in the lobby, and we friended each other on Facebook and promised to stay in touch. That's been five years ago, and we're still friends to this day. It's just so incredible that you can meet someone on an elevator and then remain long-term friends. I know it really is, but experiences like this, these God moments, is how God has opened my life up, given me all new friends, and they've become like family. I know your story, and God has brought so many people into your life through these seemingly chance encounters that we call God moments. Such amazing people that have become family to us. So on this particular trip where you met Jamie and Kelly, did you have any more of these chance encounters? Melissa, I did not. Not on this particular trip. I told Jamie not too long ago how thankful I was for he and Kelly. Jamie and Kelly were the only two people in Nashville that weekend who even acknowledged my existence, if you can believe that. To say meeting Jamie and Kelly was the highlight of my trip is an understatement. Knowing you now, that is so hard for me to comprehend that you had no friends to do things with during this season of your life. Explain all of that to the listening audience. All of my friends before losing my late wife, Tammy, were mostly married couples. After six months to a year, all of those friends had moved on. 
That's how I found myself in that season of isolation and loneliness. Then through these God moment encounters, as with Jamie and Kelly, God has not only given me new friends, He has given me a whole new family. I know your friends and collaborators, and they are from all over, and it's just mind-boggling to think that six years ago, you were just sitting here at home with virtually no friends. It is, Melissa. I now have friends, new family, and collaborators in L.A., Texas, Muscle Shows, Nashville, Pennsylvania, New York City, Massachusetts, Poland, and the U.K. A large number of them are CMA, Dove, Grammy, and Juno winners. And six short years ago, I just had my mom and dad and two friends at work. It's just amazing how God has used this four-step process and right frame of mind thinking to completely open up my life and give me a whole new world. God is so good. Yes, He is. After hearing about two of your early trips and after being healed of social anxiety, what was the complete formula you think that God used to move you past the social anxiety and brought you to where you are now? The first four steps God used to heal me of social anxiety were the ones we talked about in Party of One. Trial and error, prayer, turn it into a positive, and be honest with myself. The last piece of the puzzle for me was the right frame of mind. And what I mean by right frame of mind is this. If I went somewhere, I had already prayed and decided to go out. So as I was getting ready, I would be communicating with God about how excited I was to have the opportunity, asking God to place good people in my path, provide opportunities for growth, and having a sense of adventure in my spirit. There were some techniques I developed that I used to help keep me out of stressful situations. For example, if I was going to a church singles group get-together, I would plan ahead of who I would be sitting with. Say if there were going to be 20 people there, maybe of the 20, I knew four really well. So I would coordinate to sit with them. I would text before going in to find out if they were already there and where they were sitting. So when I walked in, as opposed to feeling overwhelmed and everyone looking at me, I just went in, walked straight to my friends and sat down. New people would come by and talk to my friends, and that was a way that I met new people as opposed to just sitting over in the corner by myself. Also, going to a restaurant by myself, I would usually sit in a booth up front. That way, I didn't have to pass through all the couples and families, and it felt more private. Also, I would carry my AirPods. So if I had to sit and wait, I'd put in one AirPod. Or, when I got to the booth, I would put one AirPod in then. And I would normally put the one in facing the wall, so that if anyone approached me, they wouldn't know that I was listening to anything, and they would be more open to talking to me. All of this helped keep me in the right frame of mind and kept me positive to where people were comfortable approaching me. So for you personally, it was trial and error, prayer, turn it into a positive, being honest with yourself, and keeping the right frame of mind, and staying positive through the whole process. Yes, that's how God healed me of social anxiety and gave me a whole new life. Life as you and I know it today. Melissa, as we keep in mind that everyone's situation and circumstances are different, and people grieve differently, and just in general, people think differently, we understand everyone's experience with social anxiety may not be like how God healed me and brought me out of social anxiety. But again, if through this two-part series, if just one person comes away with just that one thing that made a difference in their life, then our efforts in this series are very successful. My prayer is that many all over the world can find at least that one thing that helps them on their way to a life free of social anxiety. Jimmy, I agree with you in that prayer for our listening audience for anyone going through social anxiety. There are also three verses we would like to share that made a tremendous impact on Jimmy's life as God brought healing from social anxiety. Psalm 37, 23. 
The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. This is the completion of our two-part series on social anxiety and all of our time for today. If you would like to connect with us, please go to our Facebook page, Christian Life Coaching by Jimmy and Melissa Thrasher. Please like, share, or send comments or questions. Please visit our Evangelism and Missions Ministry also at silentwitnessinc.org to find out what we are doing in Evangelism and Missions. If either ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider giving at silentwitnessinc.org. We hope you look to God and His Word for the answers to all of your needs and concerns. And until next time, be sure to be good to yourself and to those around you. 